The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? Back for our first foray into the AFC West, and it will be with the Denver Broncos, and uh, we'll be doing it with one of our very first guests ever. You know, for all my OGs uh, there that have been with me since the beginning, which would be a long time now, 2007, uh, since I started doing the Chicago Bears review. Uh, and in 2015, that was the first year I started doing interviews and having guests uh, on the show. And in 2015, our beloved Chicago Bears played the AFC West, and one of my very first guests was from SB Nation's Mile High Report, Lori Lattimore-Volkman. She came back and talked to us in 2019 when we played the West again. And here she is in 2023. Once again, she'll be joining us here in just a few moments to, uh, to rekindle our friendship. One of my OG guests coming back on the show to talk about her team. And, and an interesting trend that I've noticed when, when we talk to Lori, when she comes on to the show, the Broncos have had a head coach, a brand new head coach, every single time we've had her on, all three times we've had her on the show. In, in 2015, uh, they fired John Fox because he was 2015 was his first year as head coach of the Bears. And Gary Kubiak was the new head coach uh, in Denver, and they won the Super Bowl in 2015, so that worked out. But fast forward four years later, 2019, um, Kubiak retired after the 2016 season. Vance Joseph was a disaster in 2017, 2018. So in 2019, our defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, was taking over as head coach uh, in Denver. Fast forward four years later, they're on their third coach in three years because uh, Fangio was let go after 2021. Nathaniel Hackett was a disaster in 2022. Now they go all in trading for Sean Payton to bring him in from the New Orleans Saints to help right what was so very, very wrong under Nathaniel Hackett uh, in 2022, hoping that it will propel Russell Wilson and that offense to the heights that they were supposed to achieve uh, last year, where they were one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL, uh, you know, finishing five and twelve. And if you look at it, it's like it's like how did they win five games with the way that they played? We do the deep dive with uh, with Lori uh, about that. Talk about the off season that they had. The you know the 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 muted draft because of everything they gave up to get Russell Wilson. They only had five picks uh, in this year's draft, and the first one wasn't until late in the like literally like the second to last pick in the first round, if not the last pick in the second round, excuse me. And um, then finally we sum up the, uh, the schedule uh, and, and see um, what she thinks about uh, that. But um, always have a great time talking to Lori, even though we have to wait four years to be able to, uh, to talk to her and, and have her uh, on the show. But uh, we have a great time talking to her. And uh, like I said, we're moving right along with the AFC West here. We got the Raiders coming up on Tuesday and then the Chargers next Thursday before we close things up the following Tuesday with the defending world champion, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, we plug and ride along and then move on to the NFC South, then on to the NFC North squads and finish up with our beloved Chicago Bears. So let's ho- go ahead and get started. Uh, this is the first AFC West opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. <laughs> 
So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Out loud and on- now that we finished our same place opponents, we move on to our divisional uh, opponents or out of conference division opponents, however we want to put it, starting with the AFC West and uh, here to help us preview the last place finisher uh, for the for the for the West last year. Uh, the Denver Broncos, it's uh, from our, our, our good friend from the Maha Report. It is Lori Lattimore Volkman. Lori, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. So, Lori, I've noticed that um, every time that we get a chance to talk, and it's uh, because of the rotational schedule that the NFL provides, it's only once every four years uh, that we do get an opportunity to talk. And you were one of my very first guests when I started doing interviews back in 2015 we happened to play the AFC West back then and in 2015 uh you had just fired John Fox and had uh brought in Gary Kubiak to be the head coach uh fast forward to 2019 uh Gary Kubiak had retired Vance Joseph was a disaster and we were talking about the first year under Vic Fangio uh in 2019 <laughs> and here we are in 2023 uh, not only are you on your uh, on another brand new head coach in Sean Payton, uh, you're on your third coach in three years because Fangio didn't work out. Nathaniel Hackett was an unmitigated uh, disaster, and oh, you're my on goodness. to your uh, you know third coach in the last three seasons. So I don't know if talking to us is an omen or uh, you know a, a disaster or <laughs> or new beginnings, Lori. I'm, I'm having trouble figuring right. out which it is. I'm just noticing the coinky dink that every time we talk, you guys got a brand new head coach. Right. So four years from now, what you're saying is <laughs> we're going to be on our, our next head coach. Yeah, maybe ah, it'll be because, know. Uh, you know, Peyton won you guys a Super Bowl and he, you know, decided to ride off into the sunset once and for all, you know, get, getting the championship yeah. he couldn't win in New Orleans. But, uh, you know, yeah, odds are pretty so. good. You know, we're three for three so yeah. far. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So when you started doing this, it was also, I was pretty new to the Mile High Report to blogging. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our interview was one of the, probably one of the, first interviews I did as well <laughs> and it went it was that one was a great year and it's pretty much been downhill ever since. Yeah. you guys won the Super Bowl <laughs> in 2015 so yeah it doesn't yeah. get much yeah. better than that so swan song for Peyton uh, one of the greatest defenses ever uh you know kind of thing Von Miller winning the MVP was uh yeah quite a big year and and, and you guys survived Brock Osweiler uh, of all people you know <laughs> made him a very rich man at least for a very short time uh after uh, he was key in getting you guys to the Super Bowl uh, that year. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it's been pretty much all downhill from there. It's like every time we've talked since then, it's like, yeah, Vance Joseph is a better defensive coordinator than a head coach. That's why we got rid of him after two years. And uh, Vic Fangio just never seemed to, you know, you know, it just never seemed to work for, 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 uh, for Vic one reason or, or another. And then, do we, do we even want to talk about anything? I mean, we got to talk about last season, but I mean, it's just oh gosh, it was Hackett was it? He, I loved your word unmitigated. Yeah. It's exactly what it was. The thing with Vic Fangio, I felt like I think he did a he did a good job, and I I know I was excited about him, and you guys were sorry to lose him Absolutely. back then yeah. as, as a defensive coordinator, and he has proved over and over what a great defensive mind he is. 
and he, you know, he had some rough patches his first year, like figuring out being a head coach and doing head coach duties in addition to defensive coordinator duties. But he ultimately, he, I think he figured that out and his, you know, his, his way of doing things was old school and I loved it personally. I think in his case, you know, we had, we were still in that like just QB hell. We could not figure that out. We still haven't quite, but he had it, you know, as bad as Vance Joseph did, but he at least was able to get that defense going. And then his biggest downfall, in my opinion, was being so stubborn that he would not get rid of Pat Shermer. I think John Elway would have been happy to keep him. I think um, to keep Vic Fangio. But it was very obvious that Pat Shermer did not know what he was doing. <laughs> and, you know, Vic was not willing to give, you know, to, to fire his friend or someone he, you know, respected or, you know, or admit that it wasn't, Pat Shermer wasn't really working with the personnel we had on the field. And so that ultimately cost him his head coaching job. And I think had he been more flexible and possibly if he had not fired Rich Scandarello, you know, in his first after his first year there, they could have figured things out, and the offense would have done much better, which would have ultimately, I think, kept Sanjio his job. But in the past, we moved on to Nathaniel Hackett went, you know, completely the opposite direction of Vic Sanjio, and <laughs> realized that was also a disaster. <laughs> so. Yeah, and and it was something that showed pretty much right from the beginning, and and by the beginning, I mean Monday Night Football Week One uh, against the. <laughs> Like Seahawks. beginning, beginning. Yeah, and, and and you know the way that he handled like the whole final minute uh, of the game, like oh. wasting forty seconds or something like that to call a timeout, and uh, you know, and and everything that happened there, and then it's just like throughout the season. I mean, never mind the fact that you guys traded the farm for Russell Wilson, and Nathaniel Hackett somehow right. made that look like a horrible idea. Uh, by the way that, that that Wilson played and the way that the offense produced. Because, Laurie, I added an NFL show to my repertoire last year, so I was boning up on everything that was going on in the league. And something that I noticed was that if not for the offense, the Broncos would have been one of the more dominant teams in the league last year. I I'm, know. And I'm sitting I here know. reminding myself, looking at at your schedule last year, um, let's see. Your the highest point total of the season um, was nineteen twenty four. Yeah, something. it was. It was. Well, I mean, I'm I'm looking at your first what six seven games eight games last year sixteen. Yeah, sixteen it was definitely. You lost seventeen yeah. to sixteen week one. You win sixteen to nine against the Texans. You beat the Forty ers which the I mean the Bears Somehow. managed to do that. Yeah, the Bears managed to do it week one. So. They just got off to a bad start, uh, you know, losing to the Bears and then losing to the Broncos. 11-10, to 10, the final score on that one. I know. Your, your, I highest, know. your highest point total for the first eight games was in a losing effort to the Raiders, 23. You lost 32-23 to 23 to the Raiders. You lose 12-9 to 9 on a – I mean, trust me, the Bears had a horrible showing against the Commanders on Thursday Night Football but your Thursday night game against the Colts was cringeworthy as well. Twelve to nine in overtime. Uh, you lose nineteen to sixteen to the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Sixteen to nine to the Raiders, and then you win in London, twenty-one to seventeen before the midseason 
uh, bye week. It's like, dude, this defense is showing up. This defense is coming in and handling business. And you would think that a defense like this paired with Russell Wilson and what he was able to do all those years in I know. Denver. You would have thought we were going to, to the Super Bowl. You would have been undefeated. Like 21 points would have won you every game except the game against the Raiders. Every single one. Every I know. Isn't that crazy? So. We Listen, trust me. We talked about that every week. It was like, if you go, you know, we'd be 6-0 and if all we did was score Two, two touchdowns and a field goal. Like, yeah. it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean. It um, was, it, oh, and it was so frustrating because you could you could actually see why. I mean, it, it like, I think, obviously, Russell Wilson wasn't in his tip-top shape, like, physically or even maybe just sort of football shape. But, you know, like, there's a lot of, he, he, he was kind of into his, contract and you know he's going to do it his way and all the you know I think he kind of was had decided he wanted to be a pocket passer so I think that wasn't all the head coach's fault but ultimately the problem was our head coach was just so confused and it was so chaotic he couldn't decide what offense he wanted to run he couldn't decide what the approach was is it run first is it is it deep passing is it like what are we doing and he was trying to be the offensive coordinator and the head coach. And I think it became clear. And I think, I don't think we'll see it this year, but with him, it became clear that he wasn't really that good of an offensive coordinator either. Yeah. <laughs> you like, he had just been so fortunate to have Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. And I think that's going to happen to him again. He's probably going to look like a genius for a while. And we're going to look stupid for getting rid of him. And it's going to be like, Hey, Aaron Rodgers is that, uh, OC so yeah I mean so and it was but, um what's his name uh, the head coach in Green Bay that was calling the plays uh out there yeah, you know. what I'm saying like we we I think I don't know if he oversold himself <laughs> or we like we clearly bought into the fact that he knew what he was doing as offensive coordinator because Aaron Rodgers was so good even though Matt LaFleur was the one calling the plays right we thought you know, he's like whatever the QB whisperer or something. It was, it was well, wasn't I mean, it a joke. Uh, I think the theory that, um, you know, Nathaniel Hackett was part of the idea of the Broncos setting up to trade for Aaron Rodgers, like making yourselves more attractive to bring him in. <laughs> it really depends on who you talk to. Right. I, you know, they, they insisted that wasn't the case. I think, I think that's probably not true. And I think when it never materialized, it, you know, you just, that's, what, that's a, of course, the story you have to go with. I do think that it probably wasn't, a, you know, a total, like, I don't know that Hackett was, he might have been, they probably thought, because Aaron Rodgers had been toying with the Broncos even the year before. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe yeah. they thought Hackett's like, maybe if we do that, then we can definitely entice him to come. But I don't think there was any promise from Hackett or assurance that he comes and Aaron Rodgers is definitely coming. Like, Aaron Rodgers is playing those, those games long before that and long after that it, I think it was fairly clear that, that wasn't a, a foregone conclusion. Right. It's hard though not to think that that was the case when that exact thing happened you know, played out this year for the Jets. So right. I don't really know. But There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so we move on to the second half of the season after the, you know, right in the middle of the, the, the season by week, week nine. And it just seems like as the season went along, the defense started to to wear down because in in the very like the first half of the, the the back nine 17 to 10 loss to the titans 22 to 16 uh, in, overtime to the raiders uh 23 to 10 to the panthers 10 to 9 to the ravens where you knock lamar jackson uh out of the football game and then here's where it starts to go sideways on you 34 28 to the Chiefs, which, which frankly had the most unfair play in the history of football I've ever seen in my life, yes. where, where Mahomes is rolling to his right and he underhands it down the field and the guy runs in for a goddamn touchdown. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, that just I happened. I watched it happen live. I was like, that just happened right there in front of my eyes. My God. And it blew the game wide open. It blew the I game open. It, wasn't that, that at that point we were – you guys were winning, it was tied, I think. Wasn't it? I, it, you were tied or you were yeah, winning, we something been... like that. And it was over after that. And then they got that touchdown, and then they got another one. Yeah. And it's like 21-14 at the half or something, and we had been winning 14-0 or 14-0. Something I like don't know, that, but yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Like right after that one, another one happened, like either like some other, not a, not a freak Mahomes play, but like either they drove down in like 30 seconds or they got a run back for a touchdown to like something. Yeah. But after that play just all fell apart after that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, 34, 28 though, you know, like that's the thing. We generally play the chiefs. Well, we have, Mm -hmm. you know, even all these years we keep losing to them, but our defense is generally kept them, you know, from well, I, if having I recall, the games you expect them to have. Yeah, if I recall, it was you guys went up ahead, I think, like 14 to nothing, and then that goofy play kind of sprung things where they went out way out ahead, and then you guys came back late. And I think even yeah. it came down to the final play because it was a one-score one uh, final score, yeah. but it's just like yeah. that one play – that just like up oh, here we go yeah. here come the Chiefs now you know kind of thing. Um, yeah, I was at the game and it was a great game because of that very thing. Like, right. and I remember we talked about the fact that it, even though we you know we expect like fans expected us to lose to the Chiefs pretty sure. much. You know, right. lots of people expect to lose to the Chiefs right now. So to play that well to come back the way we did, like in a way that was that was a partial win. It was. It was a moral victory, and I actually do believe in moral victory. So, like, we can build on this, and of course, and then we didn't. Yeah. You know, like that was we were just, and that's part of it. Like, Hackett could never, he could never gain any consistency, and part of that was because the game plan was never consistent. Like, I don't think players had any idea what they were doing week to week. Yeah, evidenced by the fact that three weeks later in Kansas City, twenty-seven to twenty-four was the final score. Uh, when you in uh, in the rematch in week seventeen, you know you played them yeah. played them tough again on the road where you know it's almost impossible uh, to beat Kansas City, yeah. but uh, you you came away empty handed there. Uh, then there was the game that the uh, the wheels just came off, and and I'm you know I, I Laurie, I was in the hospital at the end of the year last year, and I was watching this oh. game, and uh, it uh, I was like it's over. Heck, it's done. Fifty-one to fourteen to the Rams on Christmas. Yeah. It's it's over. Yeah, it is over. Like, did right. he make it to the rest of the season, or did you mercifully let him finish no. out the year? No, no, they fired him. Okay, yeah, with two th- weeks to go. Right, I remember. Now. We hired. We put um, um, the guy. So then, ironically, Rosenberg, the guy we brought, oh, that's Jay Rosenberg, right. the guy. Yes, he hired to be his assistant, like to help him with game management. His consultant, we or made whatever. him. Yes, we made him the head, the interim head coach, and he did a great job. I think they, I think they lost the first one and won the last game. But yeah, they it was played the, that the second Chiefs, to last game. The Chiefs was this was the first game and the second yeah, one. Yeah, right, beat right, right. The Chargers uh, to finish up. Char- yeah, right. And we, um, but you know, they played well. He even he did some funny things like he finally played a player that Hackett had never played all year. Even and, and reporters would keep asking, like, what did Albert O do to be on your bad side? <laughs> because we have not he, like sometimes he was a healthy scratch and this guy was like a you know, a, a, a young, good tight end. And then um the he he also fired this special team Rosenberg fired the special teams coach <laughs> two weeks ago and put the, the uh, you know the second the assistant coach in there and like suddenly our, our special team and they changed players around who was going to return kicks and special teams was good our clock management was amazing <laughs> like 
So it was the coaching after all. The guy was just in you over know, his head. Russell Wilson, oh, totally. Russell Wilson looked better. You know, he didn't look fantastic, but what you saw was a quarterback that didn't look so confused about what he was doing sure. out there. And I, I just think Wilson had his own issues that, he, you know, he didn't, that he didn't help the situation with some of the way he was doing things. But I, I really think he was just not put in a great position to use his skill set and to succeed, which, you know, if you can't do that with Russell Wilson, what are you doing? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the Broncos finish off the year five and 12, um, Easily one of the biggest disappointments of the season because when the trade was made for Russell Wilson, everyone couldn't stop talking about what the you know the West is going to be the Wild West now. You got Wilson in, in right. Denver, Carr in, in in Vegas, Herbert in 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 L.A., and then of course Mahomes in Kansas City. It's like there's no way that the finisher in the AFC West is going to do a thing in the playoffs after they get done beating the hell out of each other. Uh, in the season, it's like they're going to break the scoreboard out there in the AFC West, and that did not happen. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that did that, not happen. I know. The you know we the were Raiders. shocked that the Broncos got any primetime games this year because if anybody ruined primetime last year, it was definitely the Broncos. All For our sure. Monday night games, our Thursday night games, they were terrible. Yeah. So yeah, it was um, yeah quite a thing. And then you know, real quick, the, the I mean, how did you feel about the Russell Wilson trade? When it happened, I mean, were you, we, I mean, for me, it would have been a bittersweet thing. Oh, ecstatic. Well, I mean, we flirted with oh, the yeah. idea of trading for Russell Wilson in 2021, I believe. So the year before, and the thing that I right. was against was what it was going to cost in order to bring him in, not only in the assets, right. but also to pay the guy uh, as well as like, you know, we don't have enough in the cupboard to, you know, to bring him in for it to make a dent for like the next three years or anything like that it's like we're bare as it is as far as talent on on offense but you guys had a good foundation as far as young talent and everything uh you know on on the trade but it's like you gave up the farm in order to bring him in yeah well and really what we gave the biggest problem was the long term like we can't get out of it very easily for you know definitely this year I think you know if he's terrible this year I think Sean Payton will have no problem you know benching him or trading them or cutting them or whatever. It'll be like, we're just taking the, <laughs> the hit to the chin on this. But, you know, it, like we, this last year and this year was just, you know, a ridiculous amount of money. Right. Um, and it, you know, it, it, so my thought when we, when we traded for him was ecstatic. It, uh, it seems like, of course, this is going to be great. And when he signed that, you know, kind of ridiculous contract, he hadn't played yet. So we didn't even know that this was a problem. I remember there were a lot of people who were critical of the, of the contract and how big it was and how, how much money was guaranteed for so many years. And I think everyone was a little concerned, but we were all still so hopeful and still drinking the Kool-Aid that it's okay. Cause he's going to be, he's going to get us eventually to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. that it wasn't until, you know, week four or five where you're like, Oh man, and we've got this contract. <laughs> yeah, and you've got he's got teammates openly turning against him on the field or on the sideline, uh, or you know the the what what game was that? Was that like it these, was Dalton Reisner. Yeah, and uh, and he didn't and he refused. It was late in the season. He refused to pick him up. It was like it was like week. It was probably week fifteen or something because it was like literally 
it was that game. It was the bad, it was the blowout game. And then Hackett was fired. And part of it was because the sideline was a disaster too. You know, it's like, it's one thing to be losing. It's another thing if you've lost the locker room. And then Russell just wouldn't let that whole Broncos country let's ride thing go. And you know what it reminded me of, Lori? I think you'll love this. It reminded me of Mean Girls, <laughs> where that, that one girl kept trying to make fetch happen, and and the Ramona or whatever the the lead the the queen bee or uh-huh. whatever is like, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's like Russell, let go of the let's ride thing, bro. It's not catching on. Just stop. Yeah. It's it's become it. He he made himself a meme. Uh, with with yeah. the let's ride thing, like, and he would end every co- press conference by saying let's ride uh, or whatever. It's like, yeah. dude, enough with this already. Just stop trying to make fetch yeah. happen. It's not happening. Just let it go. And it's there's nothing worse than somebody trying to be the coolest person in the room and is nowhere near that point. Yeah, that's the what I that's those are the vibes I got from Russell Wilson last year. He was simply just trying too hard. Yeah, and he, I think, you know, it's like he doesn't quite have the, um, he just doesn't have the, the awareness, the self-awareness of how he, how it's being played. I mean, I, I feel like he must have something like that because his, his wife surely sees social media at least. Right. You know? I mean, like, I, so I don't know if he just doesn't care or if he truly doesn't quite get how much of a meme he is. Sure. But, he did. He did the let's ride thing for a while. Then when when things were really bad, he did not say it. But then, like after the London game when they had a good game, he did it again. So it's like he knew he, he was still trying to push it, um, even though it never really took. But right. especially it didn't take because we were playing so poorly. So right. yeah. So. It was a it was a terrible season on yeah, so many levels. I bet. So twenty twenty two mercifully comes to an end. Uh, Hackett is <laughs> Hackett doesn't even make it to the end of his first season as uh, as coach. Uh, then the the back and forth on on who the next head coach is going to be, and then you emerge as a late contender for uh, for Sean Payton, and but you got to trade for him from you know from. New Orleans and when I was hearing about this I was like trade him trade for him with what they gave up yeah. everything for Russell Wilson and somehow you managed to make a deal with the Saints to bring him in and again for the second offseason in a row pay a king's ransom to the guy that you're trading for and you know uh, but you're it's Sean Payton so how bad can it actually get famous last words but you know it's just <laughs> It, it can't be we'll any worse than it was last year. I mean, you've got a proven world champion coach, someone who's proven throughout his career he can handle being a head coach and a play caller at the same time and a pretty good one on top of that. Right, right. So I mean, we'll find out if whether if Denver keeps ruining people or if there's if someone can come in and actually <laughs> stop the, the downward Viral. <laughs> right. If if he actually just sold your soul to the devil in 2015 for the Super Bowl, and that's why it's yeah. been so hard since then. So, the right, uh, it's gonna be like five decades of misery. Right. So, <laughs> so you bring in, uh, you know, Sean Payton, and then a very busy, uh, free agency, uh, period. One yeah. in which uh, you stole our right tackle and uh, Mike McGlinchey. We were trying to uh, sign him. I believe it came down to us and you. Uh, on that one, you guys offered a few more dollars 
more than we were willing to. So he goes to uh, Denver. You you sign Ben Powers, the guard from Baltimore. Uh, Draymond Jones goes to Seattle. That's all right. We'll bring in Zach Allen uh, for that one. Uh, Jared Stidham to back up uh, Russell Wilson and, uh, you know, Samaje Perrine, the running back from Cincinnati, to come in and help shore up the the backfield. Anybody else that I'm that I'm missing that was worth talking about? Um, no, I think in terms of we did we did end up getting you know a tight end. Wasn't he one of the former Saints, Chris Manhurst? Uh, yeah, Chris Manhurst. Um, he was from Jacksonville, but yeah, I think he did play with uh, with uh, with, uh, with Peyton, Peyton right or something. Yeah. Yeah, but that was basic. No, you got you got all the big ones. I mean, it was it was pretty heavy O line. <laughs> pretty, it was very clear, and it was very clear to Sean Payton. You know, long even before he was our coach, what our biggest problem was, mm-hmm. and you know, part of Russell Wilson's problem, in addition to the fact that they didn't scheme very well for this, was that we didn't have a strong O line. So he fixed that right away. <laughs> Yeah, and um, didn't give up much in in free agency as far as losing, you know, key players. Like I said, Dr- Draymond Jones is probably the the highest guy on the list for there. You know, you'll, I think you'll miss Brandon McManus in kicking, but he went for the money in Jacksonville. Um, Graham Gass, Glasgow went back to Detroit, and that's pretty much all I see as far as like key people that were lost uh, last season. Yeah, the, the Brandon McManus one is interesting because. I think it, I think it's a little bit more than just you know an, a money thing for Sean Payton. I, I don't, I have no insider knowledge of that. It's just when you kind of read between the lines of the way he was talking about it and the way it happened. I just think maybe Brandon McManus was a little more ego than Payton wanted to deal with. Okay, <laughs> but, my guess. I made a joke when when it came out that that McManus had been cut. Um, the, the reason was, because I don't know if you remember, that first game when Hackett elected to do a 64-yard kick right. on Monday Night Football. Yeah. To win, the, to win the, to try to win the game versus fourth and five, even though fourth and five is crazy, all the metrics tell you that fourth and five is is actually far more doable than a 64 yard kick. <laughs> like <laughs> two people in history have ever done. And our kicker is not one of them. And our kicker told the coach, he, you know, that was the line he, they asked him, you know, and during that drive, what's the line we'd need to get to. And Brandon McMahon has said 64, which is just BS. He's, yeah. he's not made that kick. <laughs> and this was, you know, not, it, it was not mile high. It was Seattle. Yeah, was it was much say, harder place like, to kick. You're not at home, bro. We don't have the thin air to help with the ball yes. uh, or yes. anything like that. And and like I said, that I mean, just that whole thing was a disaster. I mean, I don't remember how much time it actually was. All I just remember was that Troy Aikman was losing his mind as time is ticking <laughs> away. It's like so. Not no, only was it fourth and five, but you pretty much had to go for the field goal there because you wasted so much time doing nothing that you didn't right. leave yourself time I'm to just, do anything but kick the field goal. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's because they told us it was because they were, they were, they had decided they were going to kick. And it's because Brandon McManus said, I can kick that. And the coach believed him. And I'm like, see, this is, Sean Payton's like, Oh, hell no. Is a kicker telling me what he's going to kick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will tell you when you go out and kick and I'll tell you what you're going to kick. Wow. I mean, so that's my, and McManus, 
you know, I love the guy, and he he's on our Super Bowl winning team. But he definitely, for especially for a kicker, was you know had a pretty big ego, and he he had a good right to it for for many years. But this past year was not his best year. He missed more field goals over fifty than he had in the previous years. Mm. You know, and it, it it seemed like things kind of went to his head a little bit. It's like, dude, you haven't won us a game in a while. You know, like so you don't really have the the street cred right now to be talking like yeah i'm gonna make that field goal <laughs> right so, oh you know. wow anyway yeah so yeah. we move on to the draft and there wasn't much to talk about only five picks in the in the end and what was surprising me was not so much the players that you were picking but just about every pick you made had to came with a trade of some kind moving up or you know or anything like that and i'm right. sitting there like what are they using to make these trades? It's like they don't have any picks, and yet they keep making trades uh, to move up. But I will say that, like, universally, the draft class, the, the all five players of it, was actually kind of, like, universally praised as far as the guys that you managed to uh, bring in. Marvin Mims uh, at right at the end of the second round, uh, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. You got a linebacker, Drew Sanders, out of Arkansas. Uh, Riley, Mo- Riley Moss, uh, hopefully the next Jason Seahorn, a.k.a. the white cornerback uh, out of uh, <laughs> Iowa. And you got J.L. Skinner, uh, the safety out of Boise State, and Alex Forsyth out of uh, Oregon in the in the seventh round. So it was like the picks that you guys made, everyone seemed to agree. Like, yeah, these guys are, are either like good fits or these are good players. You know, the Broncos got a lot of great value in their, in their five picks. And, um, you know, but it's just like – no, no first round pick. I think you traded into, like you traded, uh, you know, into the second round, you know, to to be able right. to take Mims uh, at the end and things like that. And so you only came away with with five players this year. Yeah, yeah, I know it was, and I we've been talking before the draft. Sean Payton is known for being pretty aggressive, and he and our GM George Payton is known for he likes to accumulate picks, so he loves to wheel and deal, but. He almost, I think his preference is probably to trade back and gain more picks. Right. So that he has a lot to then use for leverage for something else. And maybe you know, he packages them and he might move up a little bit. But he just, he likes to move around. And I think Peyton likes to be aggressive too, but in a kind of a different way. Like he wants to get what he can to move up. And right. if it's fewer picks, that's fine. He'd rather have, he'd rather have fewer at higher positions generally than a bunch more that you're that you're getting stuff at the back of the draft. So it was interesting to, to predict how that was going to go. Or, Cause we all talked about before the draft and I, my number one thing I was looking for was to see sort of who, who was the boss, you know, when it came to draft night, was it George Payton or was it Sean Payton? And it was Sean Payton. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, real quick about the, about the draft. Um, let's go back to 2020. One for a second. Um, yeah. Would you have preferred, I mean, knowing what we know now, would you guys have preferred to take Justin Fields when you had the chance uh, rather than give up the farm to take a chance on an older Russell Wilson uh, uh, a year later? Yeah, that's a really tough one because when we didn't get Fields, who we did get was Patrick Sertan and every, you right. know, yeah. we have a Hall of Fame cornerback. So, so if you compare Fields 
to Russell Wilson, yes, I think that would have been the smarter move, right? But we wouldn't have had Pat Sertan. And I know, like, I just, it's hard. It's hard to say no to that. (laughs) Well, you know, it's like, I'm not sure. It's just that, you know, when I think back to 2021, there were a lot of, like, it feels destined, as a Bear fan, it feels destined that, you know, Justin Fields is finally the quarterback of the Chicago Bears because right. of everything that had to happen in order for, for Fields to be there at 11, not to mention the the Giants being willing to make a trade with the Bears so we could move up uh, to get him. But it's just like, you know, that was the year where the, the quarterbacks went one, two, three, or, you know, right. in, in and then at, will Atlanta, who needs a quarterback, or possibly will they take Justin Fields at four? No, they went with um, with the tight end whose name is escaping me right right now. And then, you know, the Bengals, the first team on the board that doesn't need a quarterback because they got Joe Burrow. They make their pick. Then I forget who was number six. I think it was um, – I forget who it was. But, you know, it was like – but it was like – there, and then it was eight and nine, Carolina and uh, Denver could – definitely could use a quarterback or adjust the fields. Nope, goes right past – them they both take corners ironically both of them take right. corners and then uh, philly at 10 they don't need a quarterback and then here we are at 11 the giants are willing to make the trade we move up and and finally it's just like man and then there are a lot of teams that from like five from four to 11 that that could have used uh justin fields that, that went a, that went a different way it's like how oh, some of you guys feeling about that because he should not have made it to right. 11 based on what people needed uh, at that point. And it's just like, well, here he is. We got him. And uh, we, yeah. you know, hopefully we'll be laughing all the way to the Super Bowl uh, about that one right. when we look back on it. But, uh, you know, I was just wondering because one of the things that I remember uh, about that draft was, was, number one, I was absolutely terrified that Ryan Pace was going to sell our future to get a quarterback. Yeah. Like I was just absolutely, because he was Mr. Like you said, Mr. Aggressive to go and get his guy and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was convinced that to save his job out of desperation or at least try to buy himself some extra time, he was going to sell the farm to get Justin Fields so that he could stick around to find out how it all uh, worked out. And God bless Dave Gettleman, you know, for all of his flaws in, in, <laughs> in, in the He did not fleece the Bears. You know, we got a, we got a you right. know a first rounder in 2022, a fourth and a, a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder, and I was like, oh my god, that's it, that's it. You know, that's <laughs> all it cost us. And, you know, I was like, I was thrilled with the trade uh, after that, and it just right. um, for it to fall the way that it did. It's just like this is this is meant to be. It has to be. I mean, it just that we we could have he could have had actually just bent over the table and given us the business by giving him every draft pick we have for the next 5 years to make this move and he's like no nah, I'll just take a <laughs> first rounder next year and we're good it's like god bless Dave right. Gettleman with we'll the parade right. for that man when Justin Fields finally wins the Super Bowl <laughs> it's like you know he will be the guest of honor let's get Dave Gettleman in here right. not not Ryan Pace who made the trade right. but Dave Gettleman who who set the price and it's like good god bless you sir god bless you so, yeah. But, but I, the other uh, thing great. that I remember is that there was a clip, and it was actually on the Broncos website or the Broncos Twitter feed, where it's obvious that Peyton is on the phone with Ryan Pace. And he's naming his price to move up to, to your spot at number eight. And he's like, yeah, it was going to be like, yeah. a, a, 
like a like the like the first like your first your second your third and then like an extra one next year and uh blah 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 and uh it's obvious that pace is not going for it so peyton hangs up on him by saying hey ryan i gotta go somebody i got somebody else on the other line who's gonna give me more and then hangs up on him and then you yeah. know you guys take sertan we finally make our way up to get fields at 11 and and the rest is uh history and for you know, history yeah so but it's like <laughs> yeah. i re- just remember being terrified about what pace was going was willing to sacrifice in order to get his quarterback and what uh remember, you know peyton's uh peyton's <laughs> little comment much to the laughter of everybody in the draft room when he said that it was like i gotta go somebody on the other line is gonna give me more and then hangs up on him uh kind of thing so that was uh, yeah that, i remember that but so let's look ahead to <laughs> 2023 and the schedule calls for yes. the <laughs> NFC North, which is why we're talking. And let's see, the AFC East? Uh, yeah, the um, AFC East. Yeah, because you, you have the Patriots, right, the Dolphins, right. the Jets, and the Bills. So right, you got the AFC right. East and the NFC yeah. North. So North. interesting, interesting pull. Yeah, it's tough. There. It's a tough schedule. Yeah. So, but you start at home where historically the Broncos are a tough out and home for the Raiders. Yeah. Home for the commanders. Then at Miami, which that's going to suck. Uh, just be, not because it's the dolphins, but because <laughs> yeah. it's still going to be a hundred degrees in Florida in late September. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We I mean, talked about that on our, our podcast. We're like, Man, if we could have had the Bills in September and Miami in November, that would have been much better. Yes. (laughs) Because you saw in literally the same week last year, the Bills come out the first two weeks, they're an absolute juggernaut. Then they go down to Miami week three, and you've got people cramping, leaving the game early because it's still 800 degrees in Miami. Uh, for that game and basically the Dolphins the Dolphins are used to this nonsense so they outlast the Bills and win the game and you know it's like Buffalo's literally falling apart at the seams as this game is taking place because it's the seventh circle of hell down there in Miami still that time of year and uh so it's like that's what I saw that I was like yeah yeah that's like you know the Dolphins are a good football team but that's not why this is a bad this is that's not why this is a bad uh you know bad draw here. It's because it's still Miami, yeah. and granted, it's late September where the weather's turning literally everywhere else in the country. But in Miami, it's still going to be six thousand degrees uh, outside with with yeah. with six thousand percent humidity we, on top of it. So you're going to be choking yeah. to death while you're cooking out there in the middle of the field. So it's like, yeah, that's a I bad mean, that's draw. Really, it's really the yeah, the humidity is the worst part of that. Oh my more god, than the heat. I've only been down to Florida one time. In my life. And I know you live down there. You still in South Carolina? Yes, I am. Okay. So you're yeah. not far from it's, there. It's but horrible. I've, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've only been, I was in Tampa in November of 2001. Okay. We played the University yeah. of South Florida, my, my alma mater, Western Illinois. We played University of South Florida at Raymond James, uh, of all places. Very cool oh, looking wow. stadium. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but it was late November. It was 85, and the humidity was choking us all to death. It was god-awful in November. In November. It was yep. like, why would people yep. retire here? This place sucks. It's like, yeah. why? Why? And it was like, yeah. My, my mom's, my mom's uh, sister, my aunt, uh, moved down there. They love it 
down there. I was like, yeah, don't invite me. Yeah. Then I won't have to tell you no. So just don't do it. He was like, I'm not coming. <laughs> Florida's awful. Don't ask me to go down there. It's terrible. Forget it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's brutal. Bad. Yeah, it is brutal. It's like I, we get enough of the humidity here in the Midwest. It's like I don't want it 24-7 in Florida. It's like I don't, I don't get yeah. it. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's so. also – I've been in the Midwest for the humidity, and that's, you know, it's stifling. Yes, it is, but for sure. it doesn't compare to the Southeast and particularly to South Miami. Yeah. Or to it's, South Florida. It was like it's so just, bad. It was so bad. Because yeah. we, we lived, the apartment, or the apartment, the hotel that we were in was right next to Bush Gardens. So we could have literally walked there. Oh, and wow. I was like, dude, I am not spending yeah. the day in this. There's no way. No way. Absolutely not. It's like we came from Illinois. It was 47 degrees outside when we left. It's 87 here. And yeah. the humidity is enough to choke a bear. It's like, no, thank you. I'm good. No, I'm going to stay in the air conditioning yeah. until we have to go to the stadium. I'm good. So, yeah, no. Yeah. It's like a uh, pass on that. So now that we've beaten that horse into the ground, we got Miami week three. Then you, <laughs> then you come to Chicago for uh you know to play right. the bears week four and that's your first quarter of the season two at home two on the road uh the next four you're home for the jets at the chiefs for thursday night football so a quick turnaround and you're on the road at arrowhead then you get the nice little mini buy you're at green bay to test out jordan love and uh what he's going to bring or not bring to the <laughs> table and then because the nfl hates you kansas city once again before your bye week uh, this time at yeah. home before the bye. So back-to-back, you got a Kansas City-Green Bay sandwich going on there to finish out the first half uh, of the year, including a primetime date with the defending world champs. Yeah, so, about that. about that? <laughs> oh, yeah, and then, you know, before the, before the Kansas City-Green Bay sandwich, you have, uh, you have Aaron Rodgers coming to town, you know, where, where I'm sure that the going yeah. into the week, the theme will be what could have been. If, uh, you know, Aaron yes. Rodgers had come to Denver instead of, you know, going to uh, New York and, and, and all the rest of that fun stuff. And the return of Nathaniel Hackett, well, I'm, I sure, think, I'm sure he'll be welcomed yeah, with open arms. That will be the bigger. Yeah. <laughs> that will be the bigger story because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is two years out from us and, right. and it never happened really. So, it, like, it, it, that won't be the story as much. I mean, it will, it will absolutely be how much people want to beat Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> so, yeah, which, like, he will... like I said before, I think it won't be him. It will be Aaron Rodgers' offense. Right. And, you know, I think I think that's going to be a really tough game. And, and generally, in my experience, when we have those games where, you know, like whenever Peyton was playing the Colts or anytime we're playing a team that, you know, we're, we want to get back at, like when we played the Seattle Seahawks last year, Broncos generally don't win those games, so mm. I don't. I think we're going to lose that one. I'm yeah. just saying. And uh, you know the uh, the amount of armed guards that will need to help Nathaniel Hackett get to the booth so he can call oh. plays because if he's on the sidelines, yeah. somebody's taking him out. You know, it's like, no, dude, you want to call this from the booth uh, this week. You don't want to be out on the yeah. field where anyone can just snipe you from the sidelines. And I was like, oh, Daniels, he's down. He's down. Yeah, I knew he shouldn't. Have, yeah. Have, been out there in the open. These people don't like you here, Nate. It's not yeah. a good, not a good look, bro. Do you remember? Do you remember last year when I think it was the second home game, which was our 
third game, I believe that was the one, where the crowd had to help him count down the clock. Do you remember that? Was that the 49er game? Because that was so, week three. Well, no, it wasn't the 49er game because that one was in San Francisco, I think. It was at home, and it was – forgot which team it was, but it wasn't the first game because, like, that, we were all so stunned at how poorly that went and how, you know, how bad of a call it was over the field goal. Then in – then so it was either the second or third game. It was, like, same terrible – like, just taking forever to get out there and, you know – all the false start calls, delay of game calls, like just so incompetent. And so the clock would be, the game clock would be winding down and we were still, you know, the coach is still talking to the quarterback. It's like, so the crowd starts counting down the game clock, the play clock. And they're like, 10, 9. so bad. (laughs) Oh, man. So I think this is what I predict is if Nathaniel Hackett goes to the sideline Broncos fans are going to count down the clock for him when the Jets are on the field there on offense go. yeah I mean and and the thing was like <laughs> it, it was it was so bad uh and and it just that it was bad early on like there were rumblings as as like early in the season like week five week six like yeah. the Broncos screwed up here like they they hired the wrong guy there's already talk he might not survive the season it was like we're six weeks in we're already talking about this. I mean, I mean it's, it's one thing like when, when obviously the Raiders wanted to fire McDaniels almost immediately for starting zero and three and, and everything that was going on. I was like, that's the Raiders yeah. being the Raiders over there. Like when, with their fan base uh, and everything they're they're spoiled by the just win Al Davis days and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But it's like the Broncos, this is something different. And it's just like to be talking about like week five, week six, after that law, I think it was started like after that loss to the Colts on Thursday night. It's already starting this conversation. It's like, man, they're two and three. The, the season's not it's, over yet, but it's just like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. And it's like those rumblings began that early in the season and just carried them their way through for the, what, 10 more weeks that he had the job. Yeah. Well, he, we, we really thought if he hadn't won in London, we thought he'd be fired during the bye week. Wow. So. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah, I know. It was like, it was, it wasn't just rumblings. It was like, this, he, I mean, this is a disaster. He's definitely getting fired at the end of the season. Like, I don't think anyone thought by, by the bye week that he was going to keep his job unless they won out, you know? Right. But it didn't, it, it was like, we weren't just losing like a close game that just didn't go our way. We were losing close games because we could not get the offense together despite having all the reasons that we should have, you know, like yeah. we had good players. We just had a terrible coach. Right. And and I think so. maybe that's why management held on as long as they did because the defense was playing so well. Mm-hmm. It's like the defense doesn't need much help here. Right. You know, if we can score 17 right. to 21 points a game, you will win out. I mean, it's just if the defense is getting right. it done, we just need the offense. Usually it's the other way around. Like, hey, man, the offense is scoring points. Right. It's the defense that's the swinging gate and letting everything through. It's very rarely the other way around where the defense is world-class and the offense is just straight garbage. And it's just like, you know. Right. Although. Go ahead. I just say, although that has been the case for the Broncos ever since the Super Bowl. Like, right. We have had a good defense under Vance Joseph, under Vic Fangio, and under Nathaniel Hackett. And we've just never had a good offense. And a lot of that has been the quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. Last year, it was partly quarterback and mostly head coach. Sure. So. so, yeah. So after a week nine bye week, second year in a row for that, um, you're at Buffalo in November, uh, as we talked about before. I know you'd love to – if you could flex games, you'd flex <laughs> Miami to week 10 and send, oh. go to Buffalo week three, where it's actually quite agreeable uh, in Buffalo that time of year. 100%. 100%. And oh, then, but again, like you said, back to back national TV games at Monday, at Buffalo on Monday night, home for the Vikings on Sunday night yep. uh, football. Uh, <laughs> and then you have uh, Deshaun yeah. Watson and the Browns, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, at home, and then you're at the Texans to start off uh, December. So those are the next uh, four games there. Then at the Chargers, at the Lions, home for the Patriots on Sunday Night Football, another national TV game, home for the Chargers, then at the Raiders. So you start and finish with the Raiders, same like the the Bears start and finish with the Packers uh, this year. So you got those divisional matchups to bookend uh, the season. And, yeah, there's not a lot of breaks here. And, and of course, this is looking at it through no. the 2022 lens. You know, we're, we're still thinking about last right. year's team looking at this schedule and people surprise every single year. It happens, it happens all the time. So this could end up being a favorable schedule by the time it's all said and done. But looking at it through the lens of the 2022 season, this is a hellscape that the Broncos have to get through uh, this year with the <laughs> – with the AFC East and, and, you know, adding Aaron Rodgers to the AFC East and then the NFC, um, the NFC North doesn't seem as uh, daunting as it has in the past, especially with Rodgers being gone. But, you know, you still have the AFC West to contend with, with the Raiders, the Chargers and the Chiefs. And, oh, yeah, the Chiefs. And, you know, at least the NFL yeah. did you the favor of getting that over with early, you know, two games in, in, in two weeks kind of thing. Just. <laughs> Just to kind of get it done with. All right, let's just get this done with, and we'll we'll get you out of here, and we'll even give you a bye week after the second yeah. game. So, yeah. So, you know. So, what were you guys talking about Something when the like schedule? A favor. Yeah. So, what were you guys talking about when the schedule uh, came out? I mean, I know that that Miami game we talked about already, and where it's placed in the schedule is unfavorable. But you know, what else? What else stood out to yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, well, definitely. So the two. The big ones were our hard game, like the the places where weather's a, an issue. We have the hardest part of that. We have Miami in the in you know still in when it's hot, and we have the Bills in the winter when they could have six feet of snow again. Right. <laughs> have to reschedule where the game is. Um, we have Kansas City close together. I think the one thing I like the last many years we've had Kansas City in like late November, early December in Kansas City. So. Um, I think it's always the earlier you get Kansas City, the better because you know they do a little, they go back and forth a little bit, have to you know go through some bumps and bruises. But Mahomes is always the best by the end of the season. <laughs> so yeah, I you know I'm glad we're a little bit earlier. Um, and the back to back, to be honest, at least having Green Bay in there, I don't think Green Bay is going to be the juggernaut you know that they have been with Aaron Rodgers. From your lips to I God's think, ears, Lori. From your lips to God's yeah, ears. Yeah, I, just, I know. I'm over I know. It. But I think I think the Vikings will be tough. And so doing Vikings and then the Bills. When we talked about the schedule, we we all debated which which game was the most likely to be a blowout. Mm. <laughs> and 
two of us picked the Bills game and one person picked the Vikings, um, you know, against the Broncos, a, a blowout against us. So I, I'm the Bills game to me is the toughest one on our schedule, mm-hmm. um, just by all the factors. Not, sure. um, you know, can't, can't, the Chiefs are always tough. Um, but I, I think the Jets, and I, I also think, uh, I think the Bears game, I, you know, in terms of te- just the teams, I think mm-hmm. those will be tough ones. But I think we have a little bit favorable matchup. Like, again, like, especially with um, having you guys when we do, that weather won't be a major factor. And right. and having the Jets at home, you know, helps with that situation. So, um, you know, I think I looked at our schedule and – like if you didn't, if I didn't even look at the schedule, and I'm just looking at our team and our new coach, I'd be like, I hope we can go nine and eight, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd be really happy if we go ten and seven. Like we have not had a winning record since 2015 or 2016. We had a you know a eight and eight season, but um, we haven't had a winning record. We've had record losing seasons each of the last two years. It's gotten mm-hmm. worse and worse, and so just having a season where we win more than we lose would be a big morale boost. <laughs> so that would be like, and, and with Sean Payton, I'm like, you know, the guy is a winner and he's going to be organized and competent. So there, you know, there's a lot in our favor that way. But when you go to our schedule, it's like, I, man, I, I could see a, a seven and 10 season. <laughs> yeah. I could just because we've got tough teams to play. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's gonna. I'm really just crossing my fingers this year. Yeah, it's it's always interesting when the schedule does come out because the there's not a lot of mystery surrounding the schedule these days because of the rotation. You know who you're playing and you know where right. the game is taking place. Unless you're right. you know, unless you get picked to go overseas uh, for a game or something like that. But you you know where the game is going to be played. You know who you're playing from the moment the season ends. You know, once once it's all decided, you know, what the same place opponents and everything are going to be, you know, everybody you're going to play, you know, where you're going to be playing them. And the only mystery that the schedule solves is when you're going to play and how does that fall and uh, and all that kind of stuff. You know, you start with the two ro- home games and then four out of the next five are on the road. And, you know, right. and then, and then you, you have uh, you finally have a, the home game with Kansas City before the before the bye week. You have three games on the road in a row in December at Houston, at the Chargers, at the Lions. Not the most daunting teams to have on the schedule, but nonetheless, three games in the row on the road is going to be a bitch. So, you know, that's yeah. that's not easy for any yeah. team, let alone a team looking, you know, especially at that time of year, you know, when it's really getting down to the nitty gritty. If if you're circling that nine and eight schedule, getting getting wins at this time of year is going to be important and it's tough to do on the road. So, you know, you have those, those things, you know, kind of staring at you. It's, it's, it's weird how it all kind of parses out. The NFL really bunched your road games together four out of five in the first half of the season there. And then those three right in the heart of the season in December at Houston, at the chargers, at the lions. Um, I'm sure Sean Payton had pause when he saw that in the schedule it's like three road games yeah. in a row man really really three in a row like that the one, right the one good thing is when we play at the chargers it's kind of like a second home game sure. because broncos 
fans really travel well to L.A., and Chargers fans do not travel well to yeah, L.A. They, they hardly <laughs> so, exist, quite frankly. So you know. I know. Yeah, they've, they've gotten better now that they've had Herbert, and there's, like, you know, you, you get some bandwagoners for sure. But, um, it like, so that's, that's the good thing. And at least we're not going to, like, three outdoor, brutal, hard, you know, cold games yeah. in a row. But you're right. Three away games is three away games. It's not easy. It's, you know, you're, you're off your weekly schedule a little bit for practice. And so it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, I think the NFL is punishing us because they gave us primetime games, but they're like, we're still going to give you a really hard schedule because you made it so awful to watch last year. So. <laughs> you know, and the Broncos are still a great draw, so we have to put you on, on TV. So we're going to make it as painful yeah. as humanly possible. You're going to well, have I to think, go to Buffalo and right. things like that. Yeah. But you know what? If we didn't have Sean Payton as our head coach, I'm not sure they would have done it. Like, right. I bet we would have had one or two. But I think they know that there's a lot of people keyed in to see how Peyton does with the new team and with this Bron- this terrible Broncos team. Like, can he turn them around? So Peyton, I think, is the draw way more than anybody else. <laughs> well, you know, he, he is the polar opposite of Nathaniel Hackett as far as, you know, Hackett was a yeah. guy doing it for the very first time. And now you bring in a guy that not only has he done it, but he's done it at the highest level. He's, you know, he made a um, Hall of Fame quarterback in in Drew Brees, and now seemingly trying to help Russell Wilson cement his trip to the to Canton uh, and everything because he's had an outstanding career, you know, minus last year. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's just you know trying to you know a win a second championship on uh, away from away from Seattle and 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 doing it. And, and guys like Peyton, the thing that's exciting about bringing them in is that these are the kinds of coaches that are good for three wins or so when they, when they first walk through the door just because they'll be able to right. have some kind of edge that other coaches wouldn't have. You know, he's mm-hmm. going to see something. Because they won't kick a 64-yard field goal. <laughs> <laughs> he also wouldn't waste 48 seconds trying to make that decision uh, at the same time. So I'm sure right. – Something else would have happened other than mm-hmm. sitting around watching the clock tick away, uh, you know, just bleeding right. all the time and that if, you had to make any kind of decision. Right. If his kicker comes up and says, I'm going to kick 64, he'd be like, get the F out of here. You it's are like, not. Okay. There's just, no way you're doing that. Thanks. Well, I'll keep that in mind while, uh, oh, while the rest of us live in reality over here. So Exactly. But, yeah, exactly. so it's just like what, what you know, even if the, the projection was looking at the schedule 6 and 10, 7 and or six and eleven, seven and ten, you know, like Peyton could probably turn a few of those games into a few of those losses into wins because of his experience and you know what he's able to uh, bring right. to the table or his credibility, bringing in a little extra juice from the players that they're able to you know eke out a win and and, and you know snatch uh, snatch victory from the clutches of defeat kind of thing and and come away with the win. So it's. And like I said, every year is a brand new year. We're looking at this through the lens of last season, and last season was really bad. So, you know, thinking that 9-8 and eight is probably the ceiling for the Broncos this year could be a naive look at things. It could be dead on. It also could be unrealistic because this team went 5-12 and 12 last year. So that's the exciting part about every new season <laughs> is that it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, t- it's time for a new story to be told, and there's a lot here for the Broncos to build on. That's right. 
That's right. We're hoping. <laughs> We're hoping it's a good story this year. <laughs> Amen. So, yeah. So we will see you week number four. So we'll be, uh, we'll be getting back in touch with you, uh, which is kind of the opposite of what I've been dealing with as far as my guests so far. My first two guests, Arizona and Cleveland, week 15, week 16. It will be six months before I talk to those people again. Six months yeah. before I talk to them. We have you. A lot uh, can happen. Yeah. A lo- well, I mean, every question that we're asking during the show will likely have been answered by the time we get to week 15. We'll know how the season right. basically has turned out by the time we get to having those conversations with, with those particular uh, guests again. When we talk to you, there's only going to be three sched- three games off the books at that point. We'll be three games into the season. Still a lot of questions, you know, and, and it's also that time of year where we can't draw any conclusions just yet. It's way too early. You know, it's way too early. Because if you had to talk to the 49ers after week three, they're one and two. They've lost to the Bears and the Broncos. Would you be thinking perennial NFC powerhouse definitely going to make a run for the Super Bowl? Hell no. No way. Especially after Trey Lance no. goes down, you know, Garoppolo had to come back in. Yeah. No way you're looking at the 49ers as a Super Bowl contender after after three weeks. So it's still that that that, that except go ahead. I was, except Kyle Shanahan is also one of those coaches who's good for three wins. Yes. Just because he's so brilliant. Yes. And so, you know, you like I think with a team like that and they have been a, a powerhouse and they haven't you know, they they, it's not like they, they're they still on a <laughs> seven-year skid like the Broncos. You see one and two, and you're like, ah, we'll give it time. You know, last year with the Broncos, ironically, after three games, it was exactly what you thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> We just had to go yeah. another 10 before we were like, okay, okay, now we'll get rid of them. <laughs> and I think, I think with Peyton, Sean Payton, like whatever the record is by the time we see the Bears, that might not be – you couldn't look at it just by itself. Like, if we're 3-0, and you can't be – you know, you can't be too cocky because we got a lot to come. Right. If we're 0-3, you can't be sure that it's going to be another disaster. But I think with either one of those or 1-2 and two or 2-1 two or one or whatever – whichever way it, it falls at that point, you will have – you will have a good glimpse of whether it's the kind of thing where the rails are going to come off or mm. – these are just losses and Peyton is fully capable of reining this in, or this, this is just early growing pains because he's, he is such a seasoned coach. Right. He won't let it get out of control. Whereas it just spun way out of control after week one last year. Right. So well, I mean, context, I think we'll have an idea. Yeah. Well, context is important. You know, it's three and O and O and three doesn't tell, the whole story. It's like, how did those wins come? How did those losses come? Right. You know, were they a disaster? Like with the way right. the Broncos played at the beginning of the season last year. <clears throat> Sorry. And <clears throat> you know, um, but it's like, you know, say you are three and zero when you come into uh, Chicago, you've, you've beaten the Raiders. That's a division uh, win. the commanders, that's a team that's struggling as well. And then somehow you outlasted the heat in Miami <laughs> Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. Here you are, you're coming uh, to Chicago. Are you the most feared 3-0 and team in the league? Probably not, but you're definitely one that's like, okay, these guys know how to win football games. Sean Payton is, I don't want to say he's turned things around, but he's got things trending up uh, at the very least if you come into right. Chicago 3-0. and 
And if you're 0-3, the context is more important there. How did those losses happen? Right. You know, was was it a crazy because both games to the to the, well, not the second one, but the the last one against the Raiders that was an overtime loss. Jo, you know, Josh Jacobs running for a touchdown or whatever it was yeah. to to win the game to win the game there. You know, the Commanders and and what's going on? They don't have a quarterback. Essentially, they're going with a fifth round pick as their quarterback uh, and everything. So you might be catching the Commanders at the right time when they're still trying to figure it out with their young right. quarterback and. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, like I said, the context would be more important. Is like, are you getting run off the field like you were last year, or is it just like if they get the ball bounced their way for a change, things are going to go differently in Denver versus we're right. the embarrassment of the league. This is awful to watch, and I, you know, I wish that I supported another team, uh, kind of thing. So, like, the context right. is what will be important, um, you know, especially that early uh, in the season. So. We will right. see. Absolutely. Lori, it is uh, wonderful to talk to you. It was worth the four-year wait to do it again. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, Thank we, you. It's we, always fun to do this. Yeah, we look forward to having you back in, in, uh, in you know, to preview week four to see where we are after these first three uh, games to, to see how bad the sunburn is because, uh, you know, Miami's not far from South Carolina. <laughs> You're going to make the trip this year? Are you planning to? That's a great question. I haven't quite figured out my games yet, but I always I love to go to an away game and I love to go to Mile High. So honestly, I'm kind of looking at maybe the Chicago game. So I might okay. be out there. Well, I'll let you know. All right, sounds good. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm doing yet. All right. So, yeah. but where else can we? Uh, where else can we keep up with you in the uh, in the meantime? Well, you can find me always on Twitter at docllv. Um, and then you can also find me on YouTube on the MHR live, uh, YouTube channel. And I do, I, I haven't done it like during the off season, I don't do it, but during the, during training camp and season, I do it weekly and then off season is more like monthly. So sure. anyway, it's called the roundup and you can find me there. All right. So Lori Lattimore of Oakman, thanks so much uh, for, uh, for coming on. What was that? I was going to say, oh, and of course, you can read my stuff at milehighreport.com. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's that. I mean, I you know. that one. Yeah. <laughs> kind of an important part. You know, that's kind of how I found yeah. you in the first place. So, yeah. You know. Right. But uh, the other two wouldn't really exist without it. Right. Exactly. So, Lori, thanks so much again. We'll, we'll talk to you again uh, in September. All right. I look forward to it. It'll be a fun matchup. So there you have it, the uh, awesome Lori Lattimore Volkman joining us to preview the 2023 uh, Denver Broncos. You know, it, it's an intriguing team that they have because they 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 had the talent to do things that those young receivers they had. Uh, you know, they've they've refocused their offensive line with bringing in Powers and Mike McGlinchey uh, in free agency, and they had an all star like championship level defense last year that was extremely stingy uh giving up points and uh and everything that this was a team that if they score 17 to 21 points a game they win virtually almost every game uh last year so hopefully the defense can maintain its 
success and, you know, the offense can, you know, reach its potential to, uh, to actually make the Broncos a formidable team uh, this year. So, so that closes the book on the Denver Broncos, but uh, we will be back on Tuesday with the Las Vegas Raiders, another team that in 2022 had all the promise in the world, trading for Devontae Adams, pairing him up with his old college quarterback in, in Derek Carr, bringing in Josh McDaniels and, and you know what they were looking forward to in the offense there, and it just never really came together uh, for the Raiders. And uh, we'll be talking to uh, Scott Gulbrinson from Silver and Black today to, uh, to preview the 2023 Raiders, and uh, you know, see how he feels about 2022. Uh, should McDaniel's still be the head coach, or, or should they have followed the uh, the rumblings of Raider fans and let him go uh, like they wanted to, uh, or should they have kept the uh, Rich Biasaccia? Should they have hired McDaniel's in the first place? We'll talk to uh, we'll talk to Scott and see what he has to say, and uh, you know, find out what his thoughts and feelings are uh, on the Raiders. So. Come back on Tuesday for the Raiders preview. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.